All right, welcome to the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode 30. The podcast just started, and Brian is <laughs> laughing already. Not, you had a really funny joke off why. air. I didn't, it wasn't a joke. But, uh, <laughs> it wasn't a joke. Well, we're just going to keep that, we're just going to keep that inside uh, for the better benefit of everybody. I'm rattled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it will be for the better. Dex Henry, Brian, fine, thank you. As we said, Episode 30. We're at 30 episodes. Rasheed already. Wallace episode. Rasheed Wallace episode. Yes. I like that. We gotta we gotta pull these names Both out. Both teams man. played hard. That's what yeah. we're saying. Both yeah, teams we had Blau Powell last week. Now we have uh, Rasheed Wallace. Uh and next week, or well actually later this week, because we're posting this Monday, number thirty one with a guest. That's That'll a number be, I, that's a number I don't like in sports. Um you're a Nick fan. That was actually my high school basketball number. My number was 31 on my jersey. And I wore that because that was my brother's number. But my brother also wore that because Reggie Miller, and he's a Nick hater. Okay. <laughs> Your brother's officially corny. <laughs> well, this was back then. I wore, you know what I mean? No, he still gets corny points for that. I like nah. 31. 31's a solid number. 31 was my number. Okay. But, you know. But it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the Reggie Miller episode. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we gotta, oh, it won't be. No, nah, we got a name, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep that until the big it, reveal. It won't be that. <laughs> Um, it should be the Mike Piazza episode, but they'll get to that. that that's what I was going to um, just spoil it. Yeah, man. So a uh, lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, busy week. Uh, we put out some shorts, uh, short oh, yeah. takes that we have. We that should plug that real quick. With this episode. So y'all can check that out. We have it on Instagram, on Twitter. Yes. Uh, you guys can check that out. Hashtag A-H-T-T extra with only the X. Yes. Capital X. Yep. No E. I'm not throwing my X's up. I'm not from the Bronx, so I'm not going to do that. All lowercase. I'm doing it for us. Uh, Lowercase A-H-T-T extra. There you go. There you go. Um, So you guys can check that out. We'll try to give you guys some uh, extra stuff. And Behind the Pod is Back, which our producer Matthew Feniza put put it uh, together. Finally. Finally, like yeah, because Brian was annoying. Him, bro. Like, <laughs> Yo, you can't be, you can't be throwing me in a spot, man. I'm a junior in college. I got yeah. He had finals. Pages. Come on, come on. He had finals. Come on. Yeah, come finals, on, exams. Yeah, let little, me be. Let me little, be. Let it, can't, yeah. You can't let him live. Hey, man, what's more important, producing the podcast or behind the pod? You really want me to answer that? Podcast. No, I, did you hear what no. he said? Producing the podcast or behind that pod, oh. not producing the what? podcast or finals. I know what you wanted to answer to, <laughs> yeah, but that's bro, not what on. he said. Damn, why didn't you? Uh, yeah, Whatever. I knew where he was going to jump to. I knew where he was going, but no. Uh, anyway, because, before no, we did this podcast, um, <clears throat> we were talking about situational comedies uh, that we watch, <laughs> and he's laughing already. Uh, and I brought up this point to Brian, which is a point I made for years. Now, there are situational comedies that I currently enjoy on TV, one of the, my favorite shows on TV. If you want to call it a comedy, it's kind of tough. I look at it more as a dramedy, a drama and a comedy. Atlanta, I love that show. I also love Insecure. Um, a little bit more on the comedic side, but also has some drama elements. Um, I still love stuff like Kirby Enthusiasm. Um, Arrested Development, which actually is coming back soon for its fifth season on Netflix. Rick and um, Morty. Rick and Morty anime series I definitely like. Um, so there's, there's comedies I like. And what I said was bringing up to Brian is I don't think I thought about this when I was necessarily young. But situational comedies back in the day, everybody had a laugh track. This is before you had comedies that were you know handheld, single shot cameras, style done, uh, which really was kind of revolutionized by Arrested Development. But everybody had a laugh track. Mm-hmm. And I think laugh tracks personally are stupid. Right? Like, why did, why did I ever need somebody else to tell me when to laugh? That something's funny. And, like, and, why? And, and, and the reason we, we got to this discussion was because, what was it about the Big Bang Theory? They got, like, an extension or something? Yeah. Episode, um, not episode. Season 12 and 13 got extended. And we were talking about how the Big Stupid. Bang Theory is not funny. <laughs> Basically. Not at all. I don't <laughs> find it funny. I have it's a friend terrible. of mine, uh, Michelle, who loves that show. Shout out to Michelle. Not Michelle, you? No. Oh, okay. okay. Not Mich- I mean, Michelle, you might like that show, but not to, <laughs> not to my knowledge. I hope not. Um, I, hope not. I like Athletic Appetites, though. Yeah. Yeah. Plus. yeah. Shout okay. out to Michelle, you. Her show, Athletic <laughs> Appetites, guest of the podcast, is on SNY. It's now a full half hour show. You guys should check that out. Really yeah. good. Um, I just never understood it. Like, I really believe this. I think there are things we look back in history and we're like, why did people do this? Mm. And I really think when people look at the history of television, they're going to go back and look and be like, why did people do this? It might be 40, 50 years from now, but people are going to be like, why did they do this? And then they're going to look back at this podcast and going to be like, yo, Dexter Henry. He was a visionary. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he was right. 
He knew. He, he I, right. I just don't get it. Like some of it, it feels awkward. I'm sure the question will come now. How is it that you can't enjoy, you know, other shows? Uh, you can't enjoy other shows mm-hmm. like that, right? Or did you enjoy shows in the past that necessarily? was like that and it's like yeah i can go back and watch shows i love like fresh prince or the cosby show and still enjoy those shows but i still do think the element of having laugh tracks is stupid like i said i don't need somebody to tell me when to laugh and why were people with this and also in terms of the big bang theory who still watches these shows currently that has (laughs) laugh tracks like who does that yeah well you know i think that's what it is too that's what i was going to point out was that for fresh prince of bel-air for the Cosby show and those shows that have had the laugh tracks before, we we kind of like take it for what it is and okay, that came out around that time. You know what I mean? So we just accept that. But the Big Bang Theory is new and still going strong. It's been on for 10 years. Yeah. Well, no, but Crazy. new in terms of like they can take off the laugh track if they wanted to. They're not going to. And in 2018, they're one of the shows that still has a laugh track. See, I'm and gonna, it's not funny, by the way. See, yeah. I'm going to kind of say that I'm not surprised that a show like Big Bang, Bang Theory exists because of the network it's on. Like, when I think about a, sh- a network that would right. still use a laugh track, man, that's CBS. <laughs> that is CBS. If you want to talk about a network that's still going to have shows that, that use laugh tracks, because how many other networks do it? I mean, Roseanne just came back. Don't know who asked for that. Well, Terrible. I actually do know who asked for that. Uh, I do, too. Yeah, we got to do that it's part bad. of the podcast. I, I, I know who, I, we know the demographic that asked for <laughs> that. Bad. It's bad. That's another thing, and we talked about this on another episode of the podcast, bringing back all this stuff um, that people want to bring yeah. back all the time. We spoke about that early. coming to wow. America. It was a while ago. money. Yeah, I did. so why are people doing that? More comedies have actually gone away from this, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, if I think something's funny, I'm going to laugh. I, like I said, I don't need to be coerced into laughing. Now, some people will say, well, there were some shows who were taped in front of a live studio audience. Some sitcoms that were. Absolutely true. Some of the Cosby show was some taped still in are. front of a... And some, some still are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the thing I kind of don't get either, but whatever. That's a little bit better, but I just don't think it's necessary. Something's funny. It's funny. It can exist in space without I needing other laughter to be there. Anyways, though, live studio audience, there's a guy on the stage that actually holds cue cards for yes. people to laugh. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's laugh coerced laughter. It's like, oh, we wrote this and we think it's funny. Yeah. Laugh. Laugh. Yeah. Like they give yeah. you the exact beats and everything. It's like, yeah. yo, if I if Stephen Colbert makes me laugh, I want to just be able to laugh when I want to laugh. Well, and here's a little <laughs> here's a little insight. I'm not gonna say where or when for my own personal career. Oh, I know. They do where the you same went. thing <laughs> for good morning shows. That's all I'm gonna say. There's a person with a cue card and their signals for the crowd to laugh. Yes. So right. can I say the outlet or you don't? But how do you how do you feel how do you feel if you're people writing the show or you're the person holding the like do you heart? feel better because about you know yourself? What I would feel no I wouldn't feel better about myself. Like yo, this this ain't really that funny because if it's not if it's really that funny, I shouldn't have to tell you when to laugh. Yeah, yeah. like 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 there should be a problem with that. Like I would feel some kind of way about that. Like if this is what I do in the space of comedy, I shouldn't have to tell you when to laugh. Like I'm not trying to go see Dave Chappelle. And have somebody hold a cue card and be like, yo, yo, laugh now, yo, laugh now, Dexter. I want my money back. I want my money back. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Like if it's funny, it's funny. If it's funny, it's funny. If it's it's bad, it's bad. And the Big Bang Theory is not funny. Not at all. That's that's a sidebar. Big Bang Theory fans, including my homie Michelle, they're going to come for us. I don't care. Or you, actually. I don't care. It's a bad show. I, I don't care. <laughs> you guys, so you guys aren't excited about that uh, episode, uh, season, excuse me, 12 and 13 of no. the Big Bang Theory? No, I don't. Yeah, but they canceled Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, that's right. I mean. No, nah, I watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine when I'm going to fly. It has its moments. I never really watch the show. I, I watched the first three episodes and fell It's off. pretty funny. <laughs> and there's no laugh track. Oh, really stuck along. There's no laugh track. Well, I know there's yeah. no laugh track. That, that helps. Yeah. I know. So, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like a, I, I, I like the show. I don't go out. I, I don't have a lot of shows that I watch. I have a lot of time. That, that's why. Well, getting away from bad shows that have laugh tracks, a show that's funny that doesn't have a laugh track, found out that they're getting 70 more episodes. Rick and Morty, I yeah. am happy about yeah. that. Um, but even though I hope the writing stays strong for another six or seven that's seasons. That's the thing that was... If that's you, the that's one like, thing that worries I, me. I actually told him this. This is like the Giancarlo Stanton deal. 
Like I'm I not, I'm not quite sure. It's such a weird analogy, but it works. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like, because they gave him a 13 so year deal based on his potential, and I'm like, oh. yeah, but he had a, he has an opt out. He had an opt out after year three. Yeah, dude, like, I don't know if they have an opt out in this Rick and Morty what contract. I, but would I, you, I was, you were the creators of Rick and Morty? Why would you take an opt out? No, 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 not them, but whoever gave him the de- adult I'm swim. I'm not doing it. Yeah, well, I, if look, if adult swim, I would sat do an opt out after four. Be like, yo, if this starts to suck, <laughs> you know, I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't watch Rick and Morty the way you do. Yeah, but I've so. seen like you know I could tell like it's funny and things. I like haven't that. watched season three. I still have to yeah. watch that for full disclosure. That's a that's a that's like four one. or five seasons right there. Twelve. No, 12 seven, no, that's seven ten, seasons. Basically. They've done ten episodes. Seven, a seventy season? episodes. Yeah, that's they've had thirty-one episodes. They've had thirty-one episodes in three seasons. Right? I have faith. Yep. So now it's seventy episodes. Show. I have faith with the show though because they could just take it anywhere they want because there's no premise whatsoever. I hope it's it works so out. They could do anything they want. It is. Maybe they it think is, it could it be is like open, and I'll be fine if they, if they take time <clears throat> between these years. They don't feel like they have to rush every season. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. If they want to take 18 months between a season and two years, I'm generally like that. I don't care as long as it's good. How long has South Park been around? A long time. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a, Park. Maybe I, that's what they think it can be like. Or Kirby Enthusiasm, where yeah. Kirby Enthusiasm is taking the last season, between this season that just came out and last season, I think it was five years. But it was hilarious. Larry David does it when he's inspired to do it. You know what? It's fine. And he doesn't use laugh tracks. All right. In a non-laughing matter for somebody. <laughs> in, in a non-laughing matter. Um, All right. Dwayne Casey lost his job. Ouch. Mm. Uh, obviously, the Cavaliers swept the Raptors. Undeservingly. Uh, and you can hear my take on DeMar DeRozan and why he needs to step his game up in my Ain't Hard to Tell podcast extra. 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 You got me throwing the X up. X yeah. going to give um, it to you. <laughs> X going to give it to you. I had to. I just had to. Yeah, that song hasn't aged well. Oh, <laughs> oh. Well, a lot of DMX songs haven't, I don't think. No, it hasn't. Or, or, just made me especially, think about that. Especially with, like, Where the Hood At. Those lyrics in that first verse do not age well. You can go back and listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not bumping that anytime soon. Cats don't know what it's going to be, and you keep going. Once you keep going from there, it's, nah. yeah. Let's yeah, I'll, not, pass, let's I'll not. pass on that. We're not going to um, do that. I love that beat, though. Dwayne Casey, Dwayne <laughs> Casey gets fired after LeBron swept the Raptors. Owned them again. They've lost the Raptors have lost ten straight to the Cleveland Cavaliers. What were your thoughts on that? Um did you specifically? Th- Dwayne Casey getting fired. Like, did you mm. think he deserved to be fired? Uh I wasn't shocked by it because this is kind of how the way things go in the climate right now. Um the one thing I always wonder about is a lot of teams fire coaches when they still have like a year left on their deal. So to I'm avoid like, the lame duck situation. So I'm, but I'm still like, you're paying guy in Dwayne Case situation six million dollars, right? Yeah, to not coach next year. So the way I look at it always is, yo, that dude you bring in next. Well, like, what's the bar for him? Because Dwayne Casey won 59 games. He sort of improved the way the team played during the regular season. Didn't get it done in the postseason. What do you want actually? Do they have to win 65 games? Do they have to win a championship? And might get Are they coach really of the year. built to do that? And might get coach of the Co- year. And he's probably, yeah, he already got voted coach of the year by his peers, by coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might also get the media vote for coach of the year. And yeah. This guy doesn't have a job. He probably won't now because the media is going to be like, oh, he lost in the finals. But that shouldn't affect it's championships. A, it's a regular everything. season award. But that you know how the media is. Plus, like, the votes are in for that already. So it's been in for about oh, that's a done? month. Yeah, okay. so the votes are So been scrap in. whatever I just yeah. said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oops. But anyway, thoughts on Dwayne Casey getting fired. Uh, here's my thing. Obviously, I don't think he deserved to get fired. I don't like when head coaches. Uh, they have a great regular season. Then things just blow up in the playoffs after, yes, you're better than the Cavs, but you're not better than LeBron. LeBron beats you, so then he gets fired, and that falls on him. I don't think that's the case when we consistently see that Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan don't necessarily rise to the occasion, one in the playoffs, two when playing LeBron. Mm-hmm. However, however, if they're going to blow up that nucleus of Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, et cetera, et cetera, Serge Ibaka, whatever, then I think that, look, you bring in a new head coach that you want to re- rebuild this with, right? And then... <laughs> we got a whole craziness. Our logo is just disappearing. If you're watching, you're seeing a whole bunch of things on the screen that you'd expect. Continue, I'll fix it. Are we going to edit this part or not? We're just, just going to keep it rolling? Just keep rolling. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so basically... Roll it, roll it. So basically, with Dwayne Casey, here's what I think. If you're going to completely just tear this down to build it back up again, like I said, and it ain't hard to tell extra what the Mets should do, right? Then fine. Bring in a new coach. Bring in a young coach, ideally, right, who has the proper experience, whatever you're looking for. Bring him or her in. 
to oversee this new rebuild instead of just having a new coach come in and try to, what, get the most out of Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, which is what I think they're going to try and do with Mike Budenholzer, uh, for example. I think they're going to get somebody like a Mike Budenholzer who has experience, who has a good resume, and they're going to think that he's going to, you know, try to really elevate this thing and push them to the next level. When really, I think that you get rid of Dwayne Casey, I think you should just blow it up and just start over. I think I, I happen to agree with you. And, and I'm also, not sure I think and, that's going to happen. Me too. And also, I left this out. You should also probably blow it up because Philly, uh, Boston, and Le- LeBron, if he's still in Cleveland, but mostly Philly and Boston, they're going to continue to get better. I agree with you, and I think sometimes you have to know. I think sometimes teams need to know when to rebuild at the right time and not wait a year or two too long before yeah. you can get some I stuff. I think this is the right time. I happen to agree. Yeah. I think they're not going to do it because they're in a major market. That fan base has supported the team extremely oh, well. Oh, this is up the there. best they've been. And yeah, like, it's like for a, a, on a run, this is the best they've been. And they just fired their coach. Yeah, something that also just doesn't feel right too. Like the I, best they've been, and they fired their coach. I have to ask you this then: um, if Dwayne Casey, you know, if he's not black. Does the same thing happen? Like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> you think so? I actually, don't, I actually don't think race is a factor. All right, I, I, I just want to ask nah, you because you might have a theory. Nah, because it happened to George Carl. This isn't unprecedented. Um, I well, think George Carl is also a dick. You know. <laughs> Yo, George Carl took your lunch money. or something? <laughs> you read his book, like. And by the way, I could say that. I, yeah. uh, I could say that. Yes, also. you can. I, I'm well. I'm well. I'm <laughs> He, no, he wanted to make sure that we didn't beep it, bleep it out. 2012-2013. Uh, I think oh, so that was... thing you wrote about Carmelo Anthony, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, all the, but not it wasn't just him. It was other players, too, and other players have came out and spoke against him. I'm like, J.R. Smith is another one that he's constantly just clashed with. And I mean, granted, J.R. Smith is not, like, the perfect player, but, I mean, George Carl, basically, he's never... We're going off on a tangent. I am, at least. Yes, you are. And he's never, ever taken ownership for his own misfortunes. You know what I mean? Like nothing's ever been his fault. That's why he wrote the book, other than the fact that he can make money doing yeah, it. Yeah, like and there are a lot of people who agree with him because they hate Melo and they hate uh, J.R. Smith and whatever. Right? Uh, real quick whatever. before we hit we hit break, the conference finals are here. We got Warriors, Rockets, we have Cavaliers, Celtics. Your picks are uh, Rockets and Cavs. Rockets in how many games? Mm, seven. All right, I'm going Warriors in seven. I'm going Cavs in six. I think we get Warriors Cavs again. But inside, I am rooting for the Rockets. I'm a Chris Paul fan. I want to see something different. And I, I want to see Chris see, Paul. Yeah. I'm a Chris Paul fan. So I'm rooting for Chris Paul. I want to see Chris Paul get to the finals. Um, yeah. Huge Chris Paul fan. Yeah. Criminally stupid people underrate him and say that Chris Paul isn't that good. Look at the numbers. He's just one of the best point guards of all time. Oh, he's never been to a conference finals. Like, it's just his fault. Like, that argument about people who talk about people who haven't been somewhere and don't look at the players they're around or the situations. Do you know what Chris Paul did for the Clippers? The Clippers. Do you know what the Clippers were before Chris Paul got there? They were the Clippers. What about New Orleans? Yeah. <laughs> Chris Paul's that man, man, I got man, Chris Paul's that dude. If you don't think otherwise, you know what talk about. Uh before one Rockets in seven, Cavs in seven. I mean Cavs in six. Cavs in six. All right. Before we go to break, uh, yep. Matt, your Jazz are out of the playoffs. You've been telling us all year to take note. Tell us about your take note about going fishing. In 60 seconds. Going fishing? Yeah, you went fishing. What do you mean I went fishing? Y'all went fishing. Y'all yeah. out of the playoffs. Gone fishing. Never seen on TNT. Go fishing. Oh, man. Yeah. Let us be, man. What's That's... up, listeners? You know. Oh, I made a mistake. But... <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping this in. We're keeping this in. All right. Um, I'm extremely proud of my Jazz this year. We weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. Eighth seed was what we were going to be. We actually came a fifth seed. We could have been a third seed. I think if we made that third seed, the whole playoffs would have been different. Otherwise, it would have been different. We would have home court. I mean, yeah, we still would have been. Anyways, I'm proud of you <laughs> yeah, guys. Gonna, that's why I raised my eyebrow. I'm like, you would have lost like, in the second round anyway. Yeah. Come on, know. man. I don't know. Look, Rubio got injured. A was, lot it injured. A good se- was it a good season for you? Yeah, you yeah it was. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It was a roller coaster ride, and I loved it. Yeah, you just better hope that uh, Donovan Mitchell, you know, doesn't become the volume shooter like he looks like he's destined to become, and then you get some other parts around him to help. Hopefully, I mean, he's got to become a little bit more efficient with the shot. But he's yeah. he's a rookie. Do you miss Gordon Hayward? 
<laughs> I don't miss Gordon Hayward. <laughs> All right. On that note, we're going to take, take a note. break. Take note. That's right. On that note, we're going to take a break. Uh, on episode 30 of the Ain't Hard to Sell podcast, we come back, we're going to talk about ESPN Plus and how it might be affecting the sport of boxing. What Nigel Hayes, he had some good ideas for the NCAA and also spoke the truth about the NCAA. And also the state of the Mets and Matt Harvey, who this guy traded away in MLB The Show. More on that, we come back on a Hard to Tell podcast. It was good- What's up, listeners? You know sometimes how it can be hard just to get from point A to point B. Now, when I have to get anywhere and I don't want to deal with the hassle of public transportation, it ain't hard to tell how I get around. I always make sure to use the best car service app in the game. I'm talking about Lyft. Lyft offers rides in minutes. All you have to do is download the Lyft app, request a ride, and you will be on your way quickly. Lyft is all about happy riders and happy drivers. Take a ride with them and you'll see why 9 out of 10 rides end up with a 5-star rating. Lyft always has amazing offers for new customers, and I'm here to tell our listeners about a great offer today. Lyft is currently offering free ride credit to 8 Hard to Tell listeners. If you are new to Lyft, then you are eligible and getting your credit is easy. All you have to do is download the app and use the promo code AHTTPOD to unlock your free credit today. Ain't hard to tell who has the best car app service. So use the code today and ride out loud with Lyft. The best new sports web series is here. It's from Backpack Broadcasting and it's called The Sports Walk. The Sports Walk is a series where diverse sports fans take a walk and share their views at the intersection of sports and society. The entire first season is now available on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and BackpackBroadcasting.com. See what other sports fans have to say about a variety of issues in the world of sports. Watch all 13 episodes from season one and take the Sports Walk today. Ain't Hard to Tell Podcast, episode 30. We're talking sports, everything that you need to talk about, pop culture, news, whatever else is going on. Uh, Brian, you brought to my attention, uh, you posed a question before this podcast uh, about ESPN Plus. Uh, Mm -hmm. For those that don't know, ESPN Plus is basically a new subdivision or channel, online digital channel, if you want to say, for ESPN, where they have exclusive content that you could pay for. Um, You talked about how... ESPN, who has obviously been doing a lot to promote the sport of boxing, yeah, uh, in alignment with Top Rank, yeah, and, and Golden Boy, and Golden Boy, excuse me, yeah, we've seen a lot of these fighters uh, get some exposure now, like uh, Vitaly Lomachenko, um, Vasily Lomachenko, Vasily Lomachenko. I said Vitaly. Vitaly is a better name. Yeah, Vasily. <laughs> sorry, I just call him by his last name most times anyway. See, yeah. yes, I messed or it Loma. up. Yeah. <laughs> or Loma, yeah, or Um <laughs> You. You see, you've seen some of these fighters get that exposure through ESPN, which we have talked about being a good thing for the sport to get that exposure. Um, now you talk to me about how some fighters and some fights upcoming will be on ESPN Plus. So that means if you don't have ESPN Plus, you cannot see these fighters. ESPN Plus. Uh, so what's your subscription a month? How much is it? I think it's four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. I think a month. that sounds right. Four ninety nine. And you have some interesting content. They've got that show that show that Kobe's doing where he breaks down the game film, uh, which I didn't get to watch. What uh, the hell is it called? I just it's called I decoded. Know I can't remember. No, what it's, it's um. Damn, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kobe. <laughs> yeah, I haven't checked it out, but it sounds like it's interesting. Detail. And good detail. Yeah, it sounds detail. like it's interesting. And good. He breaks down the film, game film. There you plays. go, Kobe. You're welcome. Anyway, I don't want to get into too much of this, but you, as a as a boxing fan and aficionado that you are, and a reporter. Um. Just what do you what do you think about this? You seem to not be a fan of this, from what I got a little bit when we were talking about this off off, uh, you know. Yeah. Camera to ma- to to make it clear, I support ESPN Plus, uh, because you know the whole paywall thing. Like, yeah, I think people should have to pay for some content. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because how else are the creators and people going to make money off of it? You know what I mean? They should get the support of the people in doing so, but. I understand people are not going to, they're going to be resistant to pay because they're going to get whatever they can get for free and so on and so forth. But anyway, as it pertains to specifically boxing, uh, Terrence Crawford is supposed to fight Jeff Horn June 9th. If you may remember, Jeff Horn, air quotes, beat Manny Pacquiao last year for WBO mm-hmm. welterweight title. Terrence Crawford has since moved up in weight because he's cleaned out the 140-pound division 
Um, and he is gone, going on to fight Jeff Horn for this welterweight title, a fight that most of us expect Terrence Crawford to win because Terrence Crawford is probably the best fighter in the world, other than maybe Lomachenko. <clears throat> but this yeah, is going pound, to pound for pound or one or two. Yeah, this but this is going to be exclusively on ESPN Plus, and I have an issue with that because Terrence Crawford, who is going to be thirty later this year, is in the prime of his career. Yep, but it's still a rising star because not as many people have heard about him. Now, every fight he has, people hear about him, and there's more, more, more of a buzz about him. I'm seeing him trend on Twitter a little more. More people are talking about him, et cetera, et cetera. So whatever's been working has been working. He's doing his job, whatever. But now you're putting him behind a paywall again. It's not HBO where it's like subscription-based television where you're going to have HBO or you're not. You know what I mean? Like with ESPN Plus. But they're trying to make it that. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's basically what they're trying to do. And it's like, dog, what, what, like, what, he was, his last fight, I think, was just on regular ESPN. I think that's where he yeah. beat uh, Indongo and yeah. knocked him out in like the second or third round body shot. It was a great knockout. And now they want to put him behind a paywall. It's like, how are you going to build this star? And they announced yesterday, well, Thursday, Billy Joe Saunders, who's another star who's really a star in the UK because he's from England or whatever, 26 and 012 knockouts in his last mm-hmm. fight in December. He destroyed this other I've fighter. I've yet to see him fight, but read a lot on him. Yeah, he, like, people think that he can give Triple G some sort of problems, and they want to see that fight because those are the two best middleweights on the planet. I think Triple G will win, but anyway, Billy Joe Saunders is going to fight two weeks after that, June 23rd against this other man named Martin Murray. This is also on ESPN Plus? Also on ESPN Plus exclusively. Mm, that's disappointing. It looks somebody like me who hasn't seen him but wants to see him. Now, I think that fight is going to be on Sky Sports where he's already popular. In the UK, right. But as far as getting him to cross over and be popular in America, why are you sticking a four ninety nine paywall behind him? It's you're you're only going to get the boxing fans with that. You're not really going to get the casual consumers. That See, but much. then that goes. This goes into the, the question of what people will pay for content and why, and about what they're going to get, right? But they might what they might be saying or what they might be thinking. Don't know necessarily what their research reflects. Is will you? You, this, you as a person yeah. who is a boxing reporter, boxing fan, and boxing has kind of become a niche sport, are you willing to do that and get all the other content they have because these fighters you want to see up and coming, you want to see them fight? Yeah, it's $5. So, okay. I'm probably going to do it. So, they got you. However. And how many other people are going to make that decision? That's the thing, though. I don't, I, I hope it works. You know what I mean? But I, I, I just don't see really why if you're trying to develop the star power of these fighters and i don't even think they're thinking Mm -hmm. about it this deeply you know what i mean i think they're just trying to like hey let's take boxing and put it behind a paywall but i'm saying if you're trying to espn cares about developing the star power right but if you are trying to kind of build that why are you sticking them behind a paywall as opposed to just putting it on espn like the other guys because you want to create the demand for people to come we'll see. and it's not it's not necessarily it's not even just about them getting your money it's that espn this is the fact they have been losing subscriptions yeah in terms of cable subscribers yeah for the last couple of years i just got rid of my cable yeah i'm now rocking with youtube tv so i get my espn through youtube i love youtube tv by the way shout out to youtube tv fantastic fantastic like it's great if anybody's looking to cut their cable off Go. Well, in my uh, crib, we just switched over from files to Spectrum. So, <laughs> if it, right, so they're losing these subscribers by people our age and even younger, like you guys that are that are they're losing it. Nobody wants to pay for cable. Yeah, we're, we're everything's heading, on the internet. Now. We're heading into a direction of a la carte TV anyway. So that's one thing I want to give ESPN credit for. Now I think they're seeing that and they're starting trying to nudge it and look at the groups they can nudge that way. Now. Mm-hmm. In terms of business, I actually think they're doing the right thing. In terms of how it affects the sport of boxing, I think it hurts the sport of boxing because I think what the sport of boxing needed in the last couple of years, and you and I have agreed on this and spoken about this with the PBC, oh, with other things. I want to get into that. Is yeah. it needed more visibility, especially to catch on with younger crowds? MMA has risen a lot because of the easy access and visibility that younger audiences can get to it. Boxing hasn't had that. And with PBC, and I want to steal your point because you were mentioning this to me, what were you telling me about PBC before we talked before about how it's sort of changed in the last two years? So if you notice, 
that and actually you were at the Showtime event earlier this year when they announced yeah, that I was like, lineup like yep. you know what I mean like throughout the rest of the year and now really it's basically you're not getting the PBC fights so to speak like all the fighters who were advertised and were on PBC at some point and PBC yes is in conjunction with Showtime or whatever but you're not seeing the Charlo brothers on Fox anymore, or you're or not CBS seeing, or wherever they have yeah, you're night. not seeing Errol Spence on NBC. You're not seeing Keith Thurman. Well, you're not seeing Keith Thurman period. Cause he keeps getting injured, yeah. but you're not seeing Danny Garcia on CBS or whatever. On so you're PBC. Not, you're, the point is you're, you're not getting to see the best fighters or no, now even the best upcoming fighters. You're seeing them on Showtime, which subscription television, but the whole thing about PBC was, yo, we're, we're in 2015, they made a decision. I remember. Or before that, probably. But in 2015 is when we started to see, hey, Adrian Broner. You know what I mean? Yep. And Robert, uh, I was going to say Robert Guerrero, but forget it, Robert Guerrero. You know, you see all these guys in 2015 on regular just network television. And now, all of a sudden, it's kind of slowly just morphed into, hey, we're going to stick all these guys back on Showtime. And now the fights that you get on PBC are what you get tonight, Friday, the time we're recording this. Didn't even know there was one happening. Ishay Smith versus Tony Harrison. It could be Ishmith so the Pistons, and I wouldn't even wouldn't know. And that's on Bounce TV. Do you have Bounce TV? No, because you have YouTube TV. Do I have Bounce TV? I don't even know. No, what is, was Bounce TV what was formerly Spike? I See, nah, nah. See, that that's going to be a different channel. It's a problem when you're putting your fights on where people don't even know to come. But you know what people will know soon? ESPN Plus. Yeah, they're going to know that soon, or yeah. they're going to go. They're going to go that now. If ESPN is able to capitalize and put good programming out on ESPN Plus, a good series, and they work on more original content, which I think they're starting to realize that's what people are going to come for outside of what I hope they people do. pay for it. I hope it works. If By they, the way, this is a good fight. If they have <laughs> if they have good content, I think people will come. And that's what I was separating too. I think business-wise, ESPN is seeing where the content is going. I agree. Look at what we do as a podcast. We put the podcast out. We have it on YouTube. We have it all these places you can go get it. And we need people's support, too. Yeah. Um, that counts for something, too. But what I'm saying is everything is digital. So you have to create stuff in place so people can get it. But for the sport, what boxing needs to do is make sure they're getting places where they're visible. I'm intrigued to see what the numbers are, are in terms of viewership for the two fights you just mentioned to me, especially the Terrence Crawford fight. Yeah. I'm very, very interested. And that will be the see, more popular fight here. Yeah, least. I'm very interested to see who it is. And I might shell out the four bucks to see it because... That might have me as well, too, because I might want to see it or I might want to see some of the content that ESPN is also producing that might be not what we generally get for them on ESPN. If they're giving me something better, if they're giving me some more long-form journalism, some different content than what I can get on mm -hmm. traditional TV, I think I'll be, I'm will be i here for that because yeah, I'm, all, I'm all about supporting that, the non-traditional content. That's what we do here to yeah. some degree. So you know I, what I'm, I mean? I can't ever hate on that. Yeah. Um, I'm always going to support that. So yeah. it's just something I think we should keep an eye on and definitely talk about with boxing going forward. That's yeah. going to be that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, and if you start yeah, and, if, and if you start your uh, your free trial, then you could see the Terrence Crawford fight for free. I'll be starting a free <laughs> trial for that Terrence Crawford. Yeah, I'll fight. probably do that June 8th. <laughs> see, if I, see if I like it for that month. month and then and maybe I'll work with it. Right? You're like, hey, it's five dollars a month. You know. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully the ESPN Plus, they put out good content. Not here to knock them, just hopefully they put out good so. content. I hope so. I hope so. You know what I mean? People, A lot of people hate ESPN, but I grew up watching ESPN, so I hope it does well. I don't necessarily have a problem with ESPN. I just think ESPN is now in a, in a, in a changing market. Yeah. Want to get to, you sent me a text, uh, I believe was either this morning. It or was this morning. This morning. It was one of my morning texts. <laughs> yeah, one of Brian's morning texts. I never say Although good this, morning this people. one was with, a, with some good information. The famous. Brian morning text. Morning text. Yeah, sometimes his texts are like kind of about nothing because this is what Brian does. But uh, this had some good information. Brian Mis sent me representation. Brian me. sent me this uh, Daily News article by Karan uh, Phillips, who uh, he wrote this whole article, but this also was picked up, I think, by Deadspin as well too. Deadspin, yes. Um, talking about Nigel Hayes, uh, former Wisconsin player and New York Nick and New York Nick, who now ended the season. Was he with the Kings? Did he end the season? Yeah, 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 yeah. He ended the season with the Kings, but he talked about NCAA organization that we loved. I believe one of the most corrupt sports organizations there is out there. Yeah, um, yeah and you could be pissed off if I said that. Yeah, you don't need um, me to double down. You know where I stand. He, <laughs> he talked about a system that could pay players, and I wanted to read a quote from him in which he said, I would do away with the term impermissible benefits. And with that term no longer in use, these athletes, NCAA athletes, are now allowed to accept money from any party 
that would like to give them some. If a booster wants to give them $5,000 because they had a great game, they're allowed to do that. If a local restaurant wants to give them dinner, they'd be allowed to do that. And by the same token, if they don't, there's no harm, no foul. And through that use of that, colleges aren't looked at to try to finance this because you can no longer say, where's the money going to come from? If no one wants to give any player money, then they don't have to. If someone does, then they can. Now the NCAA doesn't have to get involved. It would hurt small schools because boosters and restaurants and it wouldn't hurt, excuse me, small schools because the boosters and restaurants there could do what they want or choose not to do. Right. Uh, under Hayes' plan, he also says student athlete would be allowed to make money by using his or her own image or likeness, something I absolutely support. He also pointed out that his rules would apply to all athletes, no matter the sport, so that there would be fluidity across the country, as some sports are more popular on certain campuses. So obviously, this would not affect Title IX. Um, your thoughts on this? I'm all like, it makes sense in the terms of what people like to build up as far as capitalism in this country. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the NCAA and amateur athletics, which yeah. it really is not, we are not against that, which I never have understood. Yeah, I, I think what Nigel Hayes is saying makes clear damn sense. Yeah. What do you think? I think, yeah, I think it makes too much sense, so they're not going to do it. <laughs> That's basically it with the NCAA. It's like the NCAA is going to want to keep what their perception of amateurism is. They're going to want to keep amateurism as amateurism. So they're going to try to restrict at every turn the kids getting paid or whoever's getting paid off their own likeness, off their own abilities and whatnot. And kids are just not going to get paid. They're going to continue to not get paid. But what Nigel Hayes is saying makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want him to be the NCAA president. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Now Nigel Hayes for president. But yeah, it's not going to happen. That's, Yo, a, that's, a, that's I hate I hate when things like this just make a lot of sense. But somebody's gonna be like, nah. Yeah, but we, it's like, but it's still, just we, not. We still want to eat, but we don't want to let those other people eat. Yeah. Which, yo, shout out to Jerron Phillips because he said there Karan was one, Phillips. Karan Phillips, excuse me. He said in this article, in short, step one of Hayes' system is similar to a love offering for a pastor at a black church. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you ever been up in a black church, you know about them love offerings. And love orphans is, hey, I can give whatever I want because I got love. I want to give five grand. You want to give five dollars. You want to give two dollars. It's all love. How are you going to hate on the love? Well, the well, NCAA, NCAA will do they, that. They, they, <laughs> they, 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 they do that. Like, like this is this is what they do. I, I, I'm all for them not hating on these kids um, to, you know, to make the money that I think they could. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to say that he had touched upon in here that I thought was interesting, he said that he believes, and I think we've kind of touched on this before, he believes that the NCAA not paying student athletes is less about money, the NCAA putting in their pockets, and more about race. And his quote was this, we live in a country, we live in an overtly and covertly racist country. And the reason why we won't pay college athletes is because we don't want to pay black people money. He explained that this kind of goes into my whole thing about people talking about how they like college basketball. They think the game of college basketball is better played than the NBA. Yeah. Kind of ties into that. He said, as those sports, as those that participate in sports played predominantly by white athletes, baseball, hockey, golf, and tennis, have more options to monetarily capitalize on their skills than football and basketball players do, which are dominated by athletes of color. Because by paying black people money, you will uplift those black people out of poverty and put them on a higher level than they were. And by doing that, you decrease the gap between the middle class of black and white people. And by paying them, you allow them to have the resources to give themselves a better life. I'm going to end by saying what Karan Phillips said. Nigel Hayes gets it. The only question is, will the NCAA get it? Brian and I, sadly, as we go to break, we don't think that they will. Nope. We got more to talk about when we get back. We'll talk more about what is America. Well, covert racism is sure part of it. But this is America, a new video that dropped and song by Childish Gambino. We're going to talk about our thoughts of that. We come back on Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Sports Guru is the place where fans talk about sports via video. All videos are 60 seconds or shorter. Sports Guru makes the video look more professional and fun by adding automated on-screen graphics. You can follow your favorite sports by team, trending, new, or by people you follow, and more. Type in the title of your video and it will automatically, that's right, auto-magically go into your on-screen graphics. It's just that simple. Tag your teams and publish sports. Let's talk sports. 
It ain't hard to tell where to get the latest merchandise from Backpack Broadcasting. Gear is now available via TeePublic. Visit the Backpack Broadcasting TeePublic online store to get shirts, hoodies, mugs, and phone cases. Represent your favorite Backpack Broadcasting shows, including the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, and of course, the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Check out the special offers for our podcast listeners at http colon backslash backslash t dot pub backslash lic backslash backpack. Get in the game with your official backpack broadcasting here today. Yo, the producer, Matthew Feniza, just killed the vibe. He was bumping the new Childish Gambino, This Is America single, and I was like, yo, we got to come back from break. Is the hype you up? Yo, he just, get, right as we got in when the hype beat dropped, he just cut it off. We got we to gotta get a show. We got a show to go. We got a show to go. Yo, you killed the vibe, man. I can't play it. Copyright. Yeah, we know. We know. I, I wasn't I, I wasn't. I wasn't. that hyped up. I was focusing on these weed Yeah, because it wasn't Freddie Gibbs. Yeah. Ah, I saw that coming. I set you up. I low-key set you, you up. You did. Go eat your weekends. No, he's going to say it anyway. Um, all right, so Charles Gambino drops uh, a video last Saturday. No, he dropped it actually on Friday. I can't it was Friday or Saturday. Anyway, it was last week. about a week ago for the time of recording this podcast. New single, This Is America, uh, which should be coming for his next album, which he also said will be his last album, but there's no title for this album yet. Never believe artists when they say their next album is going to be their last album. Yeah, we've heard Lupe Fiasco say that many times. And um, Jay-Z. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I understand when people don't believe that. Although for some reason, I actually would believe Donald Glover more than somebody else because I think he I actually respects the finality of things. And when he's done with something, I think he'll be done with something. And I also just think he's gonna, you know, just continue to branch out. And, and he'll create something else. Yeah. I think that's the kind of person he is. I read this. There's a really doesn't good, make money like that. There's a really good piece I read on him earlier this year. I'm forgetting the publication. Um, my friend Crystal is going to kill me because she has sent to me, and I love this article. I don't remember publication wrote it, but it was a fantastic piece on him and his creative process, and it was really good. Um, if I remember it, I'll mention another episode. Anyway, his video single drops, performs it on Saturday Night Live, uh, along with another song called Saturday, which I think is really, really dope and has such a good vibe. Um, but This Is America kind of has overshadowed that song. People are mainly talking about this video. Some people are calling Donald Glover a genius. I think that I think we need to pump the brakes yeah, on that just, word. Yeah, he may be, little, but we don't. Want, not, you don't want to put that. Yeah, people need to just pump the brakes on that word. We're, we're doing too much with that word, um, and calling people that. And I don't know if necessarily being very creative is something makes you a genius. Anyway, we'll get to more of that. The video I thought was visually stunning. Mm-hmm. I thought it was dope. I think it's very layered. I, I think there's still things. I, I've only watched it twice. I need to watch it some more. To under, I've heard, I read something this morning about how people are always seeing more and more things. And I read something with the choreographer, um, uh, African woman who did the choreography for the video, super talented. I'm forgetting her name. I apologize. But she did the choreography to video. And I think it's very well done. And it's, there's a lot of obviously shocking stuff in the video. You're seeing people get shot, um, some strong imagery. Um, what was your reaction to the video? Uh, I know you're not in love with the song as much as some other people. Yeah, I you don't want to, you, but you don't want to misrepresent me either because people, you know, when you don't love something, you're a hater. Come at, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a hater. No, I like the song. I just don't love the song. Like it's not a big That's deal. That's fine. And I like the video too. Um, I just, for me, I would have liked to have seen, you know, a, and this has been a common criticism, but I actually agree with this was how he shot the people in the choir. Like, you know, reminiscent of what Dylan Roof did. And he probably shouldn't have did that in the video. He probably just should have kept dancing as destruction was going on behind him and have some, you know, short white dude with a racist haircut look at him and shoot the people that were there. Uh, you <laughs> yo, know what I'm talking about. Yo, what's the racist haircut? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That, that bowl thing? A bowl. <laughs> Whatever it's I thought, called. I thought you were going to go with a mullet, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> shout, shout out to all the people at Mullet. Nah, Sorry about that. Eddie if Guerrero. You're Eddie, a Eddie, racist, then you probably you, like if you're a mullet and Confederate flag wearing, then it's like oh. Eddie Guerrero had a mullet. But I know which one you're talking about. You're talking. What's the dude from the movie? The dude from, from the, the movie. That's <laughs> the best Joe way Dirt. To he had a Fu man Joe Dirt. Mark Sanchez mustache. Joe Dirt. Is that the he one? Oh, yeah. He had the mullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Still so I'm not Joe Dirt. Yeah. All right. Anyway, but you this like is a, you like that movie? Of course he does. It's a great movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know what you real like. Excited. If y'all could have seen Matt's face <laughs> when he said Joe Dirt, like he just smiled, like yo, it's Joe Dirt. <laughs> yo, <laughs> oh, man. 
Yo, it's you, a good movie. That's that's like I don't know. That was like your smile was like when you mentioned coming to America to black people. It's like yo, coming to America is great. I love coming to America. It's true, but you had that smile that like I would have about that movie. Yeah, that's gonna be my okay. favorite bandana finally like Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt's is a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, I got you that say? in there. But I you said, really got happy. Yeah, I said, I said that's gonna be that's gonna be my favorite bandana finally dropped. Oh, God, yo, what? Please, <laughs> please. Anyways, um, videos dope. Um, I need to, again. I like you. I need to keep watching it because I've only seen it two or three times. I want to keep watching it, but no, I think it was, I think the time. The timing of these things really matters. I feel like the timing is great, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what else he has to say because, as you mentioned, he has an album coming up. I'm curious to see what else is gonna, you know, what else is he gonna put out musically. Yeah, I'm. I'm intrigued. I was not a huge fan, as some people was, of his last album, "Awaken My Love." I yeah. thought it was. Yeah, me okay. neither. I'm not. I'm not a huge. Um, gonna be no fan, but. But I like that he's he has the ability as a creative to even he doesn't stick to one thing in in music like rap or he's sung a little bit. Obviously, "Redbone" is a fantastic song. Um, but so I like this song because it kind of plays on elements of singing and some of hip hop. Um, very nice bass. I do like the production on the song. Um, mm-hmm. I do like what he's talking about. Um, overall in the song in America and I think maybe the black experience in America to get to your point about him shooting the choir which you know I was speaking with a friend and she was talking about how that was like unsettling and it was in that in that sense to just see uh, a black man shoot the choir and the church is really held up high in the black community yeah. and then especially dance. in certain places like the south and to see that I, I, I'm still trying to unpack why he chose himself to do the shootings, I feel like there has to be some kind of meaning, at least from him on that. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, there's some people who are saying the video is genius and it's, they're acting like it's some life-changing thing <laughs> that's gone on. But that's what we have, that's and what I, we do now. You like, know, that's what we do. And it's so, you know what, man? It's okay to, to me, for me to say, yo, I don't get the entire scope of the video. The yeah. point of it, I have some theories but I, and I'm willing to dive into that at a later time when I digest it some more. Right. And I've read some things and I totally enjoy listening to other people but, who might have dove into a little bit more and have a perspective. And it's fine to share your theories, but I think the reactionary move, sometimes I think we can be too reactionary with yeah. stuff instead of actually digesting things for a while. And it makes you like kind of not really appreciate the art in the way you should because people just want to react to it right away and then they're going to be on to the next thing. So for that, for me, because of that, and and I'm not telling anybody what to do. If you choose to engage in consuming your art or something like that or like that or or the reactions to it, that's fine. For me, sometimes with certain art, I stay away. I don't read album reviews very quickly. I might sit away for a week with the album and I digest it for a week and see how I feel. Then I might be like, okay, what does somebody else think about it? And to be honest, I sometimes don't care what everybody else thinks about it. If I like it and I really rock with it, then I rock with it. And that's all that matters. Just like you really like Freddie Gibbs. I think I'm like, eh. you shouldn't care what I think about it. Or you shouldn't care what Matt thinks about it. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Right? Like if you rock with it, you rock with it. I don't have to be like, yo, everybody else has to like it for me to like it. That's, that's just me. And so I, tr- I try to do this pretty consistently with a lot of stuff I consume. Um, there's certain things I might read with shows that are a little bit different depending on the shows they are. Yeah. I might read some like weekly recaps or stuff from other people. But um, like I do that with Atlanta. I think I tend to do that more with half-hour shows than I do with hour-long dramas. I might not read anything till the end of the season mm-hmm. on those kind of shows. But comedies, I might read a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's, that's just, I just think sometimes you can get too consumed by everybody else's thoughts beside yourself and really know how oh, you feel about something. That's what Twitter is. Yeah. And people are doing it for retweets and likes all the time, and they lose themselves in you know, this entire process. I think we do this with Kendrick Lamar a lot. And I remember when To Pimp a Butterfly came out and everybody just right away, just instantly like similar, you know, he's a genius, he's a genius. But I'm like, there's no way. And it was maybe a 24 hour period from the moment the album dropped. And I'm like, there's no way in hell that one, all these people already like kind of unpacked everything and two, already listened to it. You know what I mean? Like, like already just have these reactions for an album, probably his most intricate piece of work. I agree with that. You know what I mean? And already people are like, yo, like, I hate 444, same thing. 12, 12 o'clock the album drops or maybe 11 on some sites. And then I'm already 12, 15, 12, 30 on Twitter. And I'll really see, like, 
quotes bars already on i think what's interesting i'm like like, why do we feel the need to react right away like we can't just say i i just just finally tweeted about the book of ryan which we're about to get to royce the five nine we'll get to album we'll get to that in a second and it's been out for a week and you know what's funny i'm gonna actually talk about my listening to that album the first time i'm gonna get into that in a second and my reaction to it and i spoke with a friend like literally half an hour after i finished listening to the album the first listen through and i'll get into that in a second but I agree with you, and going back to this Pimper Butterfly album, in which I do think it's a masterpiece, and I do think it's a classic, so I want to preface that by saying that. When I listened to that album, I remember being like, man, this is a really good follow-up to Good Kid, Man City. It's a really good message. When I listened to the end of that album, and I heard how all the bits of the poem fit together, and then he's talking to Pac, and how the whole message of the album came together, I was like, man, this is dope. And because this is what I generally do with really dope albums I like, if I have the time, I immediately went back and listened again. Immediately. Like, I did immediate second listen. Because I really, really liked it. And, you know, Kendrick's very layered. And, and that, yes. album was a lot, that album to me was more dense than Good Kid, Man City. So I really did need another listen. Even though yeah, I yeah. got the concept, because I'm really a lyrics person. I'm into all the lyrics when yeah. I'm first listening. I really listen again. Obviously, you pick up other things and sounds and ad-libs and different things here in storytelling. Yeah, and I was like, this is really good. I'm not a uh, somebody who's opposed to instantly knowing that something is classic in music. I'm not somebody who's opposed to that. I think you there's some albums I've known, yeah. but I still don't even like declaring it. I don't want to declare it. I still me, might be yeah, like, I'm gonna be like, yo, I'm really feeling this, but I'm not gonna yeah. throw the c word out. There. Yeah, yeah. Just like we're throwing the g word out there. Oh, yo, this is America's dope. He's a genius. Yeah, man, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like, like like some of it is too much, man. And why do we have the need to like? What is this about having to declare everybody, put them in a position? in a place so quickly. You spoke about this on your extra. Why did we have to do that? Some of y'all was doing this with Kanye, and now it's the same people y'all talking about. Oh, I don't know. Some people are still doing it with Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, y'all need to stop that. You know who you are. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 I just, it, that's kind of a little bit annoying in society. I think we got to be really calm with labeling people genius. I think, no. I think Donald Glover is really damn talented uh, yeah. at what he does. I Absolutely. think Atlanta is great. I love Atlanta. It's one of my favorite yeah. shows right now. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I like the stand-up comedy. I'm not a, I've never really watched much of a stand-up comedy, yeah. so I can't really get into that. I have to see Atlanta. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. But And I think what he's done with some of his music is very good and interesting. And so I just want to see him, especially as a black creator, I'm proud to see that. You know, in, in the words of Issa Rae, I'm rooting for everybody black. Yeah. I'm proud to see that. So I'm proud to see him be able to express that. I'm glad for the freedom he has to do his expression. That's something I like mm-hmm. from seeing him that I think is good. Um, but we're going to move on because we have one other topic to tackle before we wrap up this podcast. Uh, I talked in my extra that will be released about the Book of Ryan, a new album from Royce to 5'9". Um, I'm going to get into what I had in my first list, and I just kind of teased that. But you heard it. Um, I didn't even talk to you about it for a couple of days because so, we were so busy uh, with backpack broadcasting, with streaming games this weekend, and doing a whole bunch of other stuff. Right. Um, I finally hit, hit you up, and you were like, "This is best work." Yeah, I was like, "Yeah." It's funny because, and I don't know Royce at all. I would love to have him on the podcast, but I don't no, know Royce. We need you on the podcast, man. I don't know Royce at all, but. I've been listening to him legitimately for most of my life because he came out, boom, dropped when, 99? Yeah, something like that. Something like that? I was still in high school. I man. remember hearing, I'm not going to say how Just old dated I myself. I, I'm not going <laughs> to Again, I mean, uh, people know my age, so it's not like I can't. Because, no, and then I usually follow up with, oh, I was like two. And then you're going to feel, oh. I don't feel any kind of way. All right. I'm good. Black in 90, don't crack. In 99, I was, in 99, I was five. But basically, since <laughs> around that time, that was when I first heard of Voice to Five Nine, right? Wait, wait, what? Wait, what? You were listening to Boom at five years old? No, remember my my, my brother, who's you know, you, a, around your, your age. Brother was bumping Boom to you in five years. I old? remember, I remember hearing, yeah, because I'm a, I, Yo, my brother. I'm trying to picture you with some headphones on. No, no, like it would come up. Remember, it got heavy rotation on TV, on like nah, MTV. Right. That was where I would consume it because that was when MTV actually played damn music videos. So yeah, is, I remember, I actually, I remember the first, the, one of the first songs I ever remember hearing was Nas is Like around the same time. Wow. So I remember Nas is Like, I remember Protect Your Neck to Jump Off, and I remember Boom. 
There are other songs too. Uh, Annie Up. You know what I mean? So yo, we're gonna we're gonna have to take we're gonna say I'm gonna, I'm telling people people hold this to us and maybe so you guys can send us in for a video submission. I want to know from people about the first time they remember hearing specific songs because I always think you associate songs with memories and stuff. So that's interesting. We're, we're gonna keep that topic for another podcast, but right. you made me think of something. So we'll boom around there, and then uh, I remember like the beef DVDs, and he was beefing with D12. And this is when... He was watching this at five years old? Yo, no, no, no. Yo. No, no, no. Beef DVDs was like 2002, 2003-ish. I mean, that's still like eight years old. My years older old. brother kind of raised me. Yo, like, man. you know what I'm saying? So Yo, Brian, Brian, was, Brian was watching some I was stuff. wilding. You know I, what I, I mean? I don't believe like, that. You know, I, don't know, I don't know if nine-year-olds should have been watching that. That's all I'm saying. So then, like, later on, uh, Slaughterhouse formed when I just got to high school, basically. I started high school in 2008. Slaughterhouse basically formed, right? They had the, the, the Death of Auto Tune freestyle, which went on forever, and they all oh, ripped man, it. I remember that. I gotta listen yeah, to that. I remember, I, was, I remember that. And then Street Hop dropped. I have a hard copy, a hard copy of Street Hop. This is in how my Brian right proves now. his fandom. I have a hard copy. Yeah. <laughs> hard copy another, of Street Hop. Another Brian Fonseca staple. Hard copy. If he has a hard copy, he's a real fan. If he remembers the name of a musical track in a video mm-hmm. game, Real fan. Hold on. Hard, <laughs> hard copy of Street Hop from 2009 of um, Success is Certain, which came out the year or two after, and Slaughterhouse. Where, where, I think I asked you this before, so I'm going to ask it again. I think I asked it in the Where are these hard, hard copies? <laughs> and can you bring them in? Can you just bring them so we, the next time you have, you can just reach in your bag. When we do a podcast, right here. we'll do a podcast from my crib, and then I'll bring them out. Wow. Why can't you just bring them with you? <laughs> because it's a lot to carry. It's CDs. <laughs> yeah, I think they weigh like twenty pounds. They're CDs. Uh, I got a lot of them. But anyway, so and, and I'm getting I'll off be topic. At you for just I'm getting, I'm getting off topic. Yeah, I'll be like, "Yo, guys, I'm selling mixtapes two dollars, whatever." Yes. So, so basically, Royster Five Nine. Like, I've been listening to this dude for most of my life, and especially since I got to high school when he was putting out more consistent the like music, Street right. Hop, Slaughterhouse, Success is Certain, The Bad Meets Evil Project, so on and so forth. And now. To hear him, I don't remember which, oh, I think it was Rap Radar, where he was like, I want a classic. Like, I still want a classic yes, album. Yes, he said on the Rap Radar podcast. To yes. hear somebody at 40 and who's still lyrically sharp, Joe Budden says he's top two with Kendrick Lamar. I kind of agree. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Freddie Gibbs. And then... <laughs> Freddie Gibbs is not in that class. <laughs> but we should have known that was coming. And then, and then basically, basically... To hear him say that, and Mm -hmm. then he ends up dropping what I kind of feel like is a classic album. It's going to be, at least. Oh, you used the C word, man. And it it would be his only one. Because he's had other good projects, but you know, his... He's had nothing close to a classic. Well, I mean, if you don't count Prime, um, but... Death is certain. It's not close to classic. Not a classic. It's good, but but it's not like that. Book of Ryan, I feel like, is long. However... It's a complete project, and I can see where it's long, but it kind of like, I mean, you could lose, you know, like the summer song and the one with T-Pain, but still, I can see where sequencing really blends a lot of stuff together, and sequencing, I always say that it matters, and on this album, really, really, really well done. There are some I songs agree. that are great. On I that. agree. There are great songs on this album. I think this is what puts this into the top of the album of the year, hip-hop conversation, there are great songs in this album. If you haven't listened to this album, I encourage you to as a hip-hop fan. I only wish Tabernacle was there. Uh, we spoke about this. You know, it's funny. We Before hearing this album, uh, we spoke about how we thought Tabernacle might fit into this album. We were just yeah. theorizing. Yeah. And then we both listened to it. And I was like, yo, Tabernacle, which is a song for Royce's previous album, Layers, which I didn't care for um, at all whatsoever. And Brian And did. it was on Trust the Shooter. Yeah, Trust the Shooter. And I thought this could have worked perfectly on this album. Yeah. A friend of mine made me. I made this point to a friend who had not listened to Layers, but told me he read a review and that somebody made that same point in the review. Because I said it to him, he's like, "Yo, somebody made the same point you made that Tabernacle would work on this album." Anyways, what I want to say, what I love about this album, I think that puts it beside these great songs, is that the album is so personal. Royce really got very introspective. He talked about uh, topics like domestic abuse, his dad beating on his mom, Mm -hmm. uh, his brother going to jail protect him alcoholism how you deal with it his dad dealing with drug addiction and cocaine cocaine probably one of my favorite songs on the album fantastic song on the album talking about how his alcoholism and he think it might affect his relationship with his son or will his son go down the same path he did 
Um, the songs that are really personal on this album, they're, they're, most of the album is that, and there are a couple of songs where there's some lyrical flexing, which anybody knows, Royce, that's something you can appreciate on that. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't necessarily think the lyrical flexing songs fit into the album, but they aren't bad at all. They're yeah. actually really good lyrical flexing songs yeah. where Royce is sharp and witty as ever. Caterpillar with Eminem. Eminem. Not the one with logic. Just poops on the verse. And if you listen to the verse, you understand why the word poop is significant in that as an extended metaphor. That is true. Uh, Great verse. Uh, Also, uh, what's the other song with uh, Summer on Lock with Pusha T and Jada Kiss and Fabulous, all who did great jobs in grass verses, Pusha T and the Hook. Uh, Legendary. I saw I was bumping like heavily today. That's like, that's probably gonna be like my workout jam right now. Yeah. Um, Even those songs that don't fit necessarily into really the theme work on this album the production's really good really good uh shout out to mr porter s1 who handled a bulk of this production on here uh really really good obviously the lead single bobble boat with j cole yep. who has my verse of the year right now on that song and that is my hip-hop song of the year wow. i absolutely love that song i think it's the best hip-hop song mm. that's come out this year i think the song's fantastic production's great concept is great j cole murders it yeah um look i love this album I've been playing it heavy for the past week. I don't think I'm just living in the moment. I think right now it's right there with either this or Fonte for album of the year for me. Mm -hmm. I think you told me you're leaning more to this. Yeah. Um, I have I have a top five already. Yeah, that's fine. We're 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 in June. Yo, Matt (laughs) Matt, Matt is Matt is like, yo, let's break it. Let's not go into top five because we know how top five went when we did top five albums. I don't have an order, but I know all five that will be in my top five. We're we're, we're not going to go into that. We can't tease people. Let them know for the rest rest into the year. I'm not going to do. You you understand? We do. We do understand that one of those slots are reserved for Bandana and Freddie Gibbs already. Well, until it drops, no. Nah, he has to earn it. What the hell? Like, you know what I mean? You're super fan, so I thought you just might put him in anyway. No, no, because I'm not by I. I'm not biased. Do you, are, do you have a rating for this album before we go? Oh, I don't know, but it's going to be at least a nine. I agree with that. It's going to be, it's going to, it's I, either going to be nine or a nine and a half. I think it's like and I think nine it's, or four and a half out of five. I yep. actually think it might be my album of the year right now. It's really, man, it's I think really. It's good, cause there's other great albums you, you don't want me you know, to get. But you, let me, and I will say this before we go. I'm happy for Royce. Me too. That he made this in this space where he finally made a really personal album. I think in a way it's also sad that it took him so long to for us to really know about him as an artist because yeah. I think that's kind of been the knock with him on his other albums is you don't really know a lot about him. But he kind of has been doing this with the Prime albums that came before this right. and telling you a little about his alcoholism and things of that nature. But he really went in, and I think a thing, I'll let you go, that he touched on the album yeah. was how he's afraid whether making this music that is more close to what's going on in his life, will it be well-received? So I wonder how well-received this album will be. I think it'll be critically acclaimed, but I have sales, which I don't think necessarily matters how good the album is. I think it'll do well. I hope so. But I, I think, I remember him saying this, and we're going to wrap this up. I remember him saying this on a rap Radar podcast also, where he said, I think this is what he said. He said, this is the album that he should have started with in his career. I agree. That's what he felt like. But I feel like, and as he said on Tabernacle, the universe has this weird way of balancing itself out. And I say that to say, I feel like maybe the timing was just right. Like maybe, you know, whatever happened, like everything happens for a reason. He went, through the, he went through the things he went through. So, so then it could, could culminate. Yeah. So then it could culminate into making this. So then he's older. He's wiser. He's more sharp lyrically. He's better than he used to be, which is crazy. Yep. And then at 40, 39, whatever, he sits down and he makes this album. And I hope that people receive it as well as we do i hope that people go and listen to it and i hope that even though i don't think a grammy necessarily means the be all end all i think and hope that he gets a grammy nomination for it i think it would be dope i think if anybody knows anything about hip-hop and really listening this year um this is a good album it tackles a lot of issues and i also think that what's good in hip-hop the thing i am kind of liking right now and the albums that i have really enjoyed this year mm-hmm. um with his album fonte and sky zoo and j cole is you that's have, four of my top five the other one's have, nipsey hustle you have some people <laughs> you have some people talking about some different things that you might not typically hear in hip-hop and you're hearing people open up about depression and alcoholism and and all these different things and topics that might sort of been taboo in hip-hop before or drug abuse like j cole did different things like that and i think that's what makes it dope and that excites me about hip-hop because it's time to hear some refreshing new stories and it's time to be like yo it's okay for like men 
most men in a, a male-dominated uh, space like hip-hop is to open up about their feelings and their experiences in a non-hyper-aggressive uh, or hyper-masculine way. I think that's actually dope, yep. and that's something that's really good, and I've been enjoying that in hip-hop in this year. You can go back to 444 last year and a whole bunch of other things we can talk about, but like, I think that's good. I'm with Brian. I need to check out the album. Got to. I think it's dope. Production, lyrics, really tight. Hats off to Royce. And yo, Royce, we hope that you keep making albums that you maybe feel more personal. Make what you feel. You're 40 now. Yeah. You know, screw it. You don't have to make albums for whatever. And Royce has done a lot. He make a lyrically flexible album like Prime. He can put out the bar exam and rap over, you know, uh, commercial beats. And it's still dope. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Yeah. You know, that's what we do here at Backpack Broadcasting. We do what we want to do. Absolutely. Right? We do what we make the content we want to make. That's what we do. But we thank you guys for always supporting our contest. Please always support uh, the A Heart Cell podcast. You can give us a rating on iTunes, uh, wherever you listen to, tune in, Google Play, Stitcher. Give us a five-star rating because it's a five-star podcast. Just letting y'all know. We know this. Right? Donate to Patreon, too. Donate to Patreon. We're yeah. on Patreon. You support us, share us, retweet us, like us. Hey, we need more video submissions coming up next week. We should have a guest uh, next week. Uh, when we come back, that'll be episode 31, the Mike Piazza episode. We are Mike not Piazza. allowing any space for Reggie Miller in terms of being related to that episode. That will not happen. <laughs> um, so we'll be back next week with more. Uh, that's it for episode 30 of the A Hardtail Podcast. I'm Dexter Harry. That's Brian Fonseca. Matthew Feniza is the producer. He'll say take note. We say goodbye. What about the Jason Terry episode? Take note. Does that work for you? Jason nah, he got dumped on my LeBron. Everybody tag Royce. <laughs> tag him. <laughs>